Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We overemphasise our words and we (laughs) talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. (laughs) You did that, you started that. found on Instagram. I know, I know. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our websites, which um, I'm changing actually, but for now it's com <laughs> And alexlacy.com as well as our dedicated website, ladieswholondon.com. Well, Emily, big changes in your life this week. <gasps> big changes. I've moved. You've moved. You're still I have the to- same distance yeah. away from me, which makes me feel a bit better. Yeah, not far, just a couple of stops south and... Yeah. It's lovely. I'm in Broccoli and it's so leafy and I don't know, it's just got a very calm vibe about it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. There's so much to do though. Oh my goodness me. There's like <laughs> dust everywhere and boxes and... Oh, moving house is the worst oh, and yeah. the best. I it's know. both. I've opened so many bottles of wine this week. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing I can get to. <laughs> Yeah, just the box marked urgent. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, congratulations! Congratulations! Oh, I can't even talk. Congratulations on your new move. And we should say that the the audio this week is a bit different because Emily hasn't yet got her internet installed, so she is currently streaming from from a, a hotspot on her phone, which is not the stronger. <laughs> so there is a bit of a lag this week. There's a bit of dropping out. Of I'll try and uh, edit it as much as I can to make it as seamless as possible. But it won't be quite as crisp this week. So thanks for bearing with us. And I should say in advance that um, you know that I don't know if anyone's noticed that there's a new TV show on Netflix called Man versus Bee. And it's Rowan Atkinson, basically Mr. Bean style versus a bee. Well, I've got the same thing this week, except it's a bird. And he has been waking me up at all times of the day and night. Well, mostly night, although I have been napping. um, By sitting outside my window and being very, very noisy. And he has taken up residence in my garden tonight. And he will probably be interrupting the entire podcast. So apologies for that. But I have a nemesis. (laughs) Oh, he probably just wants to come in, Alex. Well, he can't. With you. Oh, all right. Well, he can't. Uh, He's a noisy devil. So apologies if you hear him in the background. Um, It is what it is this week. Chaos. It does sound like a bit of a kind of a squeak, doesn't it? Or yeah. A little um, undertone laugh. 
Yeah, Emily thought it was me laughing, mm. which is yeah, it was why are you slightly offensive. <laughs> telling you about. Well, anyway, we'll find out. Um, so before we get going uh, into the podcast, uh, any shout outs? Um, just as a reminder, really, for mm. the 15th of August, please do not forget to sign up because we're just literally two weeks away. Yay! Exciting. 100th, 100th episode, 100th Alex. episode. I'm so excited. You say when you get to the 100th episode. You quit? Then, yeah, that's it. You know, you <laughs> So... Just to let you know, guys. No, like you know, it's it's really important. Quite a few people have said that. They said when you get to the hundredth episode, you know, it's you mean business and things start to happen. Do we get a telegram from the Queen? Yeah. Oh, I That's already got I mine. Did you? Not oh, did you? Yours? Oh, all right, fine. Yeah. Well, you get that the ninety fifth. Just one of us gets it, right? <laughs> yes. Just yes, you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I've got a little shout out to do this week, and I'm hoping they're listening. Uh, because the other night I went to the pub with our very good friend Maitland, who also listens, so shout out to Maitland. Hello, my darling. Um, and we got chatting because Maitland is one of the loveliest humans you'll ever meet in your entire life. And she'll chat to anyone. And when I got to the pub, she'd already made friends with a lovely couple called Paul and Lisa, who were visiting over from Thailand. Um, Paul's British, Lisa's American, and they live in Thailand. And we got chatting and basically Maitland pitched the podcast to them. And Paul got very excited by the topics and said he was going to listen. So hopefully Paul and Lisa are out there listening if not then well you'll never hear this but you know I'll hunt you down um but hopefully you're listening and you'll enjoy catching up on the back catalogue well hello Paul and Lisa thank you for letting us join your table for a little bit Mm. so there we go now before we go into podcasts it's podcast pedestal we have to vote or, or figure out what the votes were for last week's episode what was your pick so well we were talking about the um uh, garotin, the garotin nineteenth panic. Yeah. A panic, yes, the garotin panic of the nineteenth century. I mean, <laughs> um, mad, isn't it? Absolutely bonkers, really. So, um, do you remember what you went for? I went for. I really, I've really got to up my game in my choices. I think I'm going for boring choices, and you're going for really good ones. I went for the MP. Um, being garroted, which was boring. a crux turning point. Shut up! <laughs> it was a crux turning point, but it's quite a boring one. Uh, whereas you went for the anti—I can't even say it—the anti-garrotting collar. Yeah, all right. You're just pandering to the public here, pandering with your cheap jokes and you know <laughs> rubbish choices that win because, of course, you won again this week, haven't you? Yes, I don't need to pander. The facts are the facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, picked a boring Fantastic. one. Oh, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for yeah, whatever. Act- All right, move on. With my anti-garotin <laughs> collar. Yes, well done. Congratulations. I'm not at all getting a complex about it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Alex. You can you can do this next week. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna yeah. do it. I might need your help when I get there. Yeah. Um, Right, so on to this week. Where are we this week? Well, if you remember, the will span and uh, it landed on good old Westminster. And I decided to choose something or somebody that a request uh, came in for quite a while back, actually. Somebody mm. requested that we spoke about Boudicca. Boudicca, oh yes, yes. Boudicca, what, Boudicca, Boudicca. What, what was the uh, bodacious 
Bodacious. Bodacious. Yes. Love so it. She, uh, Miss last week, I was telling Alex and, uh, you know, everyone else that was listening, um, that I took a client around Westminster a few weeks ago. <laughs> it was an American lady. And she said, when are we going to see Bodacious? Bodacious. I love <laughs> um, it. Yeah. And, you know, bodacious, vivacious, courageous outrageous that's um, enough about you let's talk about Boudicca <laughs> yeah exactly um just to say as well the reason why I chose Westminster is because if you go to Westminster Bridge if you're on the north side of West- Westminster Bridge just basically underneath Big Ben Big Ben's clock tower then you will find a statue of Boudicca and she has her arms outstretched and she is on a chariot with her two daughters at the back and um and, uh, you know, in that area, your eyes and your head is going to so many different places. You're going to the Thames, to London Eye, to Parliament. But it's such an incredible sculpture. And I spent about half an hour just looking at it. The other day. <laughs> Absolute freak. That's, that's, uh, the, re- that's the, the point at which the police start going, we're going to start tailing her because she's being all weird. Exactly. Why is she stroking the chariot and the horse's head? What's going on here? Um, <laughs> She's trying to get up on the monument and kiss her. Um, no, I wasn't doing that. Um, but yes, basically, we're going to so talk weird. about yeah, I know, um, this wonderful woman, this absolute powerhouse of a lady. And we are in the time frame of about 60, 61 AD. Cast your minds back, if you will. Cast your minds back. And we're talking about the name. Obviously, this woman, she called her uh, Bodacious. And there's been so many different names for her. The reason why we call her Boudicca, or we know her as Boudicca, is because of a Roman historian, two, actually, Roman historians, one of which is called Tacitus, and one is Cassius. Um, and it's a bit of a biased opinion, perhaps, because we're going to be talking about this powerful woman that wanted to defeat the Romans. And these were two Roman historians. So well, if, we, if this was GCSE jog, um, history, we'd be doing the whole, now, how can, how can we, uh, you know, validate the bias? How can we look at which side is going to be, you know, what? <laughs> I, I used to love all that stuff. Yeah, me too. Um, but we know that um, Tacitus, um, he referred to her as Boudicca with two C's, but we later believe actually it's just one C. We had um, in the 16th century someone referring to her as Voadacia, which Ooh, I like that. Edmund Spencer, who we are familiar with. Oh, yes. Um, Westminster Abbey, the very reason really that we have Poets' Corner oh him yeah sorry yeah going mad so this is this was a writer who was enamored with Geoffrey Chaucer and wanted to be next to him in terms of his burial and this kind of sparked off the whole poet's corner saga well it's not really a saga but it's just a thing um he referred to her as Bunduka Bunduka I'm not sure I like that as, as much no it sounds a little bit kind of off to the toilet I don't know <laughs> doesn't sound like you're a classy bird emily dell oh i know i know um in the 18th century there was a poem written by william cowper and he referred it referred to her as boadacea which is quite like bodacious i guess yeah because when i was a kid Um, we always knew her as boudicea or boudicea yeah boudicea boudicca Anyway, so we're going to be talking about this woman. And, you know, what do we know about her? Well, we know that she was born around 30 AD, potentially in Colchester, an area that I'm going to be coming back to with our tale today. Um, Apparently, she was quite tall. She had flowing red hair below her waist. Fabulous. 
it is said that she had quite a harsh voice. Oh. How would you describe a harsh voice? Was she a posh white woman? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Sounded <laughs> like you. Yeah. <laughs> <Or me. laughs> um, piercing uh, glare. Okay. And she wore this kind of large golden neck ring known as a talk. And if you go to the British Museum, you find so many talks. And apparently if you wore it around your neck, then you were a warrior, a chieftain, someone really important. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of this was kind of like a gold and it was twisted around, almost kind of like a chokey, I guess. And apparently it symbolised a warrior's readiness to sacrifice themselves for the tribe at any given moment. Ooh. So, you know, plot pretty thickens. powerful woman. The plot thickens. Um, she wore a multicoloured tunic and a thick cloak fastened by a shiny brooch. Very nice. Mm, yeah, quite nice. But apparently quite terrifying at the same time. I mean, it sounds lovely, you know, with her long red flowing hair, um, her brooch, her jewellery, but also very terrifying although she had quite a few illegible suitors quite a few people seeking her hand in marriage um and we know that she was part of a celtic tribe and when we say the celts we're basically referring to the ancient people of the uk mm-hmm. and we know her from a tribe because there were lots of different tribes lots of different strands that went off in different directions and she was the queen of the iceni or iceni how do you pronounce it? Um, what do I say? Iceni. I see. I think I say Iceni. Iceni. Yeah, I usually say Iceni. So the Iceni tribe, um, which today is basically Norfolk, and if you don't know Norfolk, we're kind of on the east side of Great Britain. The lumpy bit on the um, right. And the lumpy bit on the right, exactly. Um, and every kind of tribe had their own customs, but they didn't keep that much in the way of records. So it's quite thankful that we had those uh, the Roman historians that told us so much. And something that they did tell us was that the Celts, they, they fought naked on the battlefield, Ooh. which is quite That's exciting. Spicy. Um, spicy. Um, they were known to paint themselves blue, um, to be quite fearful, I guess. And they were known to cover themselves in all sorts of designs and they painted their faces. And this is why they were referred to as the Picts because they were the painted people. Mm. Um, on the battlefield, they would grunt like animals. They would blow through animal horns to startle the enemy. And this is a tribe that would not think twice about taking your head off. <laughs> yes, they were quite uh, quite brutal, should we say. And they believed that it was the, the head that held all of the power and the man's soul. So they were quite well known to behead their victims and put them on spikes. Um, but very intelligent people... They were the ones that invented chain mail, which, of course, protected them from swords. And I don't know about you, but I always thought that it was the Romans that were the ones that um, kind of started to pave roads, were the first one to kind of create roads that, you know, still knit the country together today. Mm. But actually, this was the Celts, the Celtic tribe. They were the ones that started to pave first, yeah. And actually, if you go to an area in England called Fetford, have you heard of Fetford? Yes. Now, where's Thetford? It's not Deptford, where we live. No, it's not Thetford. So it's kind of <laughs> north of Bury St Edmunds, uh, kind of quite close to King's Lynn, oh, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. area. 
far away from Norfolk, but um, there used to be an area called the um, uh, Iceni village which doesn't exist anymore but you can find the ancient house museum which will tell you all about this particular tribe and there's all sorts of different things on display like um pictures that we believe they would have looked like on the battlefield amazing now going back to good old Boudicca, um she did marry i told you that there are quite a few people tapping on her shoulder to get a little cheeky kiss um well she married a king and he was called prasuticus so he was the king of the Iceni tribe, which made her queen of the Iceni tribe. He was very wealthy, as the Celts were. I mean, they had a lot of gold. They had a lot of different things that they could trade with. And him and his wife, they had two daughters. Unfortunately, we do not know their names. Okay. And I told you at the beginning of this that we are talking about Boudicca, who went against the Romans. Mm-hmm. So to go back a little bit, we know that the Romans came in in 43. We know that they came in with Roman Emperor Claudius, who had a bit of a, an iron fist, shall we say. <laughs> and at this point, the Iceni tribe, they lived a quiet life. They were pretty much undisturbed. Um, they didn't really want to fight unless they really needed to. And the first move that they made was to be nice and welcome the Romans. And the king... Classic Boudicca's British husband, hospitality, actually, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Come in, have a cup of tea, sit down, look, we're peaceful people, it's all good. And actually the king told the emperor, look, when I pass away, the Iceni tribe will be underneath Roman rule. So, you know, I mean, I guess he's saying this because he was a little bit worried about the amount of Romans that were coming in. Plus they were coming in with weaponry. Mm. Um, They seemed like they knew what they were doing on the battlefield. So, you know, the king is kind of feeling a little bit uneasy and wants to integrate with the Romans as much as possible. They share currency, and the Romans basically give the Britons, the Celts, 40 million sesestuses, um, <laughs> which are probably sesestuses. <laughs> How many sisters? <laughs> How does that spell? How's that spell? Sesestuses, F-E-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-S. I know it's sesestuses. Um, <laughs> so um, the Celts were given 40 million cestuses, um, and they didn't need it. <laughs> As I say, you know, they had money, but they thought, you know, we'll, we'll take this to kind of integrate and come together. Um, but they knew that this was basically lent, and the Romans would want that back at some point with interest as well. Now, Claudius. Um, Claudius eventually gives over the reign. He dies and gives it to Emperor Nero. And Nero was somebody that was a bit of a spender, a bit of a spenderholic, you might say. And he was somebody that certainly, you know, if there was a loan going and, you know, he needed it back, he was going to be sending somebody out called Paulinus, who was the governor of the great army for Rome. Um, he was the one who was going around basically knocking on the doors to people that they had given money to. It's like one a fancy debt collector. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is the king. Now we're in 60 AD. The king dies. His wife, B. Boudicca, becomes chief. 
So she becomes queen in her own right. So it doesn't get passed down to the daughters. And, you know, this is quite a progressive tribe. Um, They allowed women to rule. They allowed women to take part in politics. They made art. It was them who decided who they were going to marry. You could also get a divorce as well. And what is quite strange, um, if a man was abusive to his wife, she had the right to poison him or behead him. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I mean, <Bring> that's... That <laughs> wow, um, that's maybe a step too far. I mean, that's I'm quite, that's quite sorry, a lot, isn't it? Not listen to our podcast, it's fine. That's a lot. That's a lot. That is a that's lot. lot, yeah. Um, so basically the king dies and the loan it said was used as a bit of an excuse. So Nero, who sends his mate Paul in to basically knock on the door to Boudicca, who's now the queen of the Iceni tribe. And he says, do you remember all of that, sisters, <laughs> that we gave you? We need it back immediately. But they actually didn't have the money at the time, even though they had a lot of gold and a lot of wealth, they didn't have enough to give them the money back. No, no so. No, sisters, sisters. So this is where the Romans suddenly become incredibly aggressive on the, well, towards the Iceni people. Every single home is basically um, kind of damaged. You've got the Romans going in there, capturing men, uh, making them slaves. They are assaulting women, including Boudicca's two daughters. Um, and Boudicca hears about this, so she tries to rescue her daughters. And with that, the soldiers take her, they take all of her clothes off, they beat her body in front of all of her people. Oh. And this sparks, yeah, 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 this sparks absolute outrage. And all of the leaders of the local tribes of the Celts, which I have to say, even though they were peaceful, there was still a little bit of friction between the tribes. And at this point, you know, they all come together and realize that they cannot let the Romans take over their country. And it's believed that Boudicca says nothing is safe from Roman pride and arrogance. They will deface the sacred and will deflower our virgins, win the battle or perish. That is what I, a woman, will do. Wow, that's fighting talk, Boudicca. (laughs) It is. And I, years and years ago, I did, um, you know, I dibble dabbled in a bit of theatre, did this <laughs> Sailor Clown production. <laughs> yeah, let's go back to the Sailor Clown. Um, and we did a piece on Boudicca. And I remember the character of Boudicca, this woman who was playing her, said this speech. And me and my friend Tom had to come forward and we had to, you know, really kind of like go, Rawr! or like scream or be aggressive. And we um, egged each other on to come to the front of the stage, put our fingers to our lips and go. (laughs) What? (laughs) And it was so silly because everyone was expecting. (laughs) We didn't care. (laughs) We were just like in our own little kind of camp of amusement, I guess. We were quite young. You know, this is years and years ago. And we got told. Emily, I have to say, I'm so glad I never saw any of your theatre productions. (laughs) Honestly, the drums were going. It was so funny. And then me and my friend Tom, we just went, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, so weird. Oh. Oh, oh. Anyway, so we've got Fury. We've got a queen. They're armed with swords. They've got horse-drawn chariots. They've got their battle paint on. They're not wearing any clothes, apparently. 
they're ready. And Boudicca, she's not the only woman that's fighting. This is, you know, um, as I say, the Celts were pretty progressive and women were allowed to fight on the battlefield. Now, before um, we come to Londinium, we actually go to Colchester, the area that we think that Boudicca was born. Uh-huh. And they decide to pounce on Colchester. Paul, who I spoke of earlier, who was, you know, the person that was the big debt collector, Paulinus, <laughs> Paulinus. he is basically out of town. He's not in Colchester. They're wanting to take over this island in Wales, Anglesey. Um, so, you know, he's got all of his troops, all of his soldiers. They're over in Wales. So Boudicca think, right, this is our time. We are going to pounce. So they go into Colchester and they burn absolutely everything. Roman men, women and children are slaughtered on the streets. Oh, dear. So at this point, yeah. Paulinus, you know, he hears word that Colchester has been taken over by a queen. And he's thinking, oh, a woman. All right, send over 200 Romans, send over 200 Roman slaves. So he sends into Colchester 200 slaves that are unarmed, but he thinks basically <laughs> they can, you know, just sort things out, you know, kind of calm things down, have a little chat to the woman, you know. We'll show you, and- Paulinus. Exactly. How many troops do you think that Boudicca has at this point in Colchester? Oh, I mean, I don't know what's a large number for a Celtish army. A couple of hundred, maybe 300, something like that? 120,000. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, okay. That's a lot. 120,000. So you can imagine... That feels like that's the entire population of England at that time or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think probably quite a few people came in as well from elsewhere. Mm. It didn't take long for that, you know, fury to kind of jump uh, off the island as well, I'm sure. So um, she's been underestimated. You've got these 200 slaves that have gone in. He suddenly thinks, okay, obviously this is not enough. So he sends in an additional 2,500 Roman soldiers. This time they are armed, but there's no way that they're ever going to survive Boudicca and all of these people. Um In Colchester, you would have found at this point a temple to Claudius, and this was a gruesome scene of heads that were basically everywhere. You've got blood, like, it's honestly terrible. And I I don't know, I thought of Boudicca, you know, having a lot of rage in her, but actually they're quite barbaric in the way that they go in they um take over roman cemeteries they break tombstones um they kind of smash down statues all sorts of different things um cassius says all this ruin was brought upon the romans by a woman a fact which calls them the greatest shame (laughs) sucks to be you romans Exactly. Sucks to be you. Now, at this point, they go into Londinium. So Londinium, a.k.a. the City of London. So um, at this point, we've got about 230,000 soldiers that are on Boudicca's team. So we've gone up a little bit because quite a few men have been set free. Quite a few tribal men that were originally prisoned in Londinium. They've been set free. So we've now got about 230,000 after burning londinium to the ground and we know that she did this because there's been so many archaeological digs where they've actually found the ashes haven't they Mm. and found the um the particles of when boudicca burned londinium to the ground um after this they then go to what we now know as st albans 
And at this point, it's believed nearly 80,000 Romans have been killed by Boudicca and Boudicca's what? people. 80,000. That's huge. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. In a very short space of time as well, because as I say, this is, you know, 60 to 61 AD, you know, very quick turn of events. And Nero was actually considering taking the Romans out of Britain. Now, if he did that, I don't know where, I don't know what Britain would be today, really. The Celtic tribes would all have been united. You would have had this kind of feeling of independence for Britain. It would have been really, really strange. But good old Paul, <laughs> he yeah. says, Nero, honestly, don't worry about it. Just trust me. Trust me. <laughs> I will sort this out. <laughs> so we Coming have... Coming over here, taking name? our Romans. <laughs> taking our Romans. So we have this last battle, and this is known as the Battle of Watlin Street. The exact location, we're not 100% sure, but we think it's kind of around Colchester. Anyway, we've got about 10,000 uh, troops in total for the Roman side. Um, and that's, that's not as many as Boudicca's tribe has got, of mm. course. But the Romans, they were a little bit more equipped. They knew the area a bit more because they'd been living in Colchester for quite some time or around that area. They had a lot more weapons. So the Roman soldiers had... Can you hear that really noisy bird? Yes, I keep thinking it's you laughing. <laughs> no, it's not me laughing, but it's, like, it's like... Yeah. It's one really yeah, noisy bird. There's nothing I can do about him. Yeah, I can, I can hear, I can hear. Um, so the Roman soldiers, they had shoes with nails at the bottom and this prevented them from slipping on grass. So, you know, they were quite forward thinking when it came to, came to the battlefield. The Celts must have been pretty confident because where this battle took place, where you had, you know, thousands and thousands of Celts behind them you had lots of chariots with family members on board there were animals there it was almost as if they were just ready for a show you know mm. they had front row seats to the the most gruesome battle that they ever would have seen so uh, to have them on the battlefield as well people that weren't there to fight but just to view it so close to the troops it kind of suggested they were pretty confident yeah now, the Romans, they stood side by side. They were crouched together behind their shields. The Celts did not have shields. And what happened was the Celts moved towards the Romans and the Romans threw spears at them, which actually went all the way through their chainmail. So the chainmail didn't really save them at that point. And the Romans were quite clever in the way that they would rotate. So where you had a line of Romans, they've got their shields in front of them. The Celt comes towards them, they take their knife and they stab the enemy. Oh. They then go back whilst the enemy is in pain and the new Roman behind them comes forward with their shield and stabs. So every time a Roman oh stabs with the sword, they've got fresh energy, fresh kind of um, uh, feeling in their arm and they keep on doing that. They keep on rotating. So the one that's just stabbed is going to go back and all the way to the back and then the new ones are going to keep on coming forward. Jeez, and they push horrific. and they push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They push. And remember, you've got that um, kind of band of chariots and people and this basically crushes the Celts, they can't go anywhere because you've got so many chariots and they're basically backed up to the back of a forest. You've got all of these trees and they can't move. 
So in the end, it is believed that about 80,000 Celtic men, women, children, animals are killed during this battle. And yeah, and it's believed about 400 Romans were killed. Oh, blimey. I mean, that's 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 very sort of uneven, um, isn't that? Yeah. Like in terms of the, the yeah. actual numbers. Um, and oh, goodness, that's awful. Yeah, yeah completely and it's all due to weaponry i think the celts they were a little bit maybe a bit too uh bit too confident by what just happened in st albans and londinium and colchester and thought we've got this team um but the strategizing strata god bloody i was like saying the word squirrel i just can't do it um you know the word what say the the squirrel squirrel Squirrel. I can't say squirrel. Oh, please. I don't know why I said that. Oh, yeah. Emily. Squirrel. I love you I so much. Say, I can't say squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. I did not know you could say squirrel. I know. Squirrel. I mean, how many times did you say it? Apart what from when it? you're taking a group through in St. James's Park and they go, what's that? And you go, it's a squirrel. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Just not saying it's a badger. <laughs> it's a badger, exactly. Badger, big bushy tail, you know. Um. Anyway, Boudicca. She manages to get away, but we don't know how she dies. Some say that she poisoned herself so that the Romans couldn't get to her. Some say that she died from an illness. In terms of where her body is, some say that she's under nine and three quarter platform. Um, some say that <laughs> she's uh, underneath a McDonald's in Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, at King's Cross, nine and three quarters. Um, but in 2001, the wet wang graves... Uh, were discovered and within these great name i'm just going to put that out there the wet wang i know it's fantastic (laughs) isn't it the wet wang graves um uh, they find this kind of iron age ditch and this medieval house and they find this kind of like a rectangular box and it's huge and in it you've got this massive in well indentations of what used to be a chariot so you've got the voids where the wood would have been a little bit like you know if we hark back to the good old rivet days when mm. we were talking about um <laughs> what were we talking about what was it called? the ship burial where you had the indentation of the ship the wood have of course like kind of perished and gone away and this is a little bit like that so you had the shape of the chariots iron lynch pins were found there was uh what was believed to be a mirror which suggests that you would have had a woman in there Uh, bones of a woman were eventually found there were bones of a pig believed to have been buried with this person how do i not know Um, about this this is bonkers yeah and it's in the british museum Wetland graves, yeah, it's in there. Where? Yeah. So, it's in the same room. It's not too far away from Sutton Hoo. Really? Yeah, it's kind of the room a little bit before that. I don't know if you um, quite where you've got kind of bits of Stonehenge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go and have a rummage. So, yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, all sorts of fantastic things, expensive things. So the person that was buried, we know that it was a woman. We know that she must have been some kind of chieftain or queen. Um, we know that she was about in her 30s, which we think Boudicca was. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, I think it was, or maybe just before, Oxford University did a bit of carbon dating, but dated it to 145 BC. Okay. However, 
a little bit later, I think Cambridge came out and said, well, actually, we've realised that carbon dating is out about 700 years. Um, it's so, not up to the Cambridge to fight, is it? Mm. No, I know. How strange. <laughs> um, so it could be. I mean, you know, we obviously didn't just have Boudicca as, as the only woman that fought on the battlefield. There were quite a few. But it's quite intriguing and exciting yeah. to think that it could be. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I, I didn't know about yeah. that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to kind of go back to where we began with this statue in Westminster of Boudicca. It's called Boudicca and Her Daughters. Mm. It was created by Thomas Forneycroft. And as I say, it's just, it's got so much movement. You know, it's obviously a sculpture, it's still, but the way that the fabric around her, her cloak waves in the wind, and you've got her daughters crouching just behind their mother, and you can see this pure rage in her eyes. You know, how dare you do this to my people, to my daughters? And this was something that was created by uh, Forneycroft, a guy called Thomas Forneycroft, who actually completed it in 1885. I say completed it, actually. There weren't the funds to actually have it cast in bronze until I think in the 1890s, maybe late 1890s. But I know that it wasn't put on display until 1902, which is actually Mm. 17 years after the the sculptor actually died. Um, But it's... It's a fantastic piece, and you can find it on top of this huge granite plinth. It's beautiful. Um, it's very kind of almost romantic, it. isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, so the, the uh, but, um, billowing, and you've got the um, now whether or not this was true, the the sort of spikes on the chariot wheels as well, which again might be a slightly romantic yeah. image of chariot wheels, but um, it's a, it's a fabulous mm. sculpture. Yeah. Absolutely. And she, you know, it was kind of in the 19th century in the Victorian period when Queen Victoria um, kind of talked about Boudicca and uh, they've got kind of like a name connection because Boudicca apparently means victory and Victoria means victory. And Uh, yeah, so (laughs) what a a fascinating woman. Yeah, absolutely. Boudicca, Boudicca, Boudicca. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I think you you doing that is probably my favourite bit of the entire thing, just (laughs) Oh my I don't God. know if that can be my crux point. <laughs> Amazing. I I think Boudicca is incredible. She's a story that I like to tell people because, you know, she is such a, 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 you know, like you say, we don't know, we know bits about her, but we don't know all the details because, of course, she was so long ago. But yet, mm. 2,000 years later, she's still a very strong person in the kind of British psyche, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Fab, thank you. I remember getting a book last year for my birthday and it was um it had all sorts of our powerful women in the past and uh I think Boudicca was on the front cover actually. Oh really? Well she's the classic, isn't she? She's a warrior queen, she's fabulous. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Podcast pedestal. So podcast cool. pedestal. Yes, I know exactly what I want to go for. Uh, oh, do you? Okay, go for it. I'll do. I'm going straight in. So I want to go for her daughters because although, I mean, she might have attacked the Romans if they didn't do her daughters wrong, but I think that really tipped her over the edge. And I think because the daughters feature so heavily on the, uh, the mm. skull and the chat, I think, you know, they... They're a very important part of her story and what went on after. 
Interesting. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a really a really good uh, good choice. And I need to make a better choices with my podcast pedestals, don't I? Because I'm not doing very well lately. Um, <laughs> what am I going to pick? Um, oh, this is so tough. I um, gosh, I'm going to go for. The oh no! What am I, what am I going for? I'm going to go for the graves at Wetwang. Oh, okay. Because I love the mystery of it. It might be her. We don't mm. know. Is mm. that a good one to go for? I don't know. I, I think, think so. I'm. I just I'm useless at now figuring out what the really important bits of the story are. It's either that or it's no. Actually, I tell you what. Oh no, I don't know indecision or should i go for um paulina sending this sort of unarmed group of slaves back going oh it's a woman i think, think that's a pretty one? good one you reckon that one yeah because it's, it's underestimating the yeah. force of this woman yeah let's yes, go for, for paulina's a... underestimating boudica let's go for that okay all right yeah. i think that's a pretty good choice good yeah. I, I need some guidance i think because i'm not doing very well <laughs> mate honestly well, we'll see. We'll see what the public think. <laughs> yes. Come and let us know um, your uh, choice for that. And I have to say, I I will try and put it up on my Instagram this week. I have had a, a bit of a break from Instagram. I've kind of, I don't know why, I've been so tired lately. And I think I just needed to step back for a bit. Um, so I'm going to try and get back on the on the Insta train. So hopefully it'll be back up on my stories this week. Uh, assuming I remember to log into Instagram this week because I've just had a bit of an unenforced break. Um, but yeah, come and vote, uh, which will be going up at some point this week. Um, which you think it is. So it's either Paulina's underestimating Boudica and her might, or it is uh, her daughters, which are the kind of the, the, the real thing that she was fighting for. Um, or that, that galvanised her into action. There we go. The Wheel of Destiny. Right. I'm going to spin it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Off we go. <laughs> Wimbledon. Oh, Wimbledon. We haven't had that before, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I put it on we? yesterday. I know, I put it on yesterday. Oh, did you? <laughs> Yeah. You've got to stop changing them all the time because people are going to think we're fixing it. <laughs> I don't change it that often. Well, okay. Um, now, it's funny because I do have a couple of people who um, I have for my Wimbledon one. Very, I mean, the, the great thing about Wimbledon is you can be a bit, go off a tangent from Wimbledon because there are so many people who've won Wimbledon who might necessarily be British but who have a link and therefore you can go off at a tangent. So uh, will you permit me to go off at a complete tangent about someone who I found out about a couple of years ago who is fascinating, but he's not English, he's French, but he won Wimbledon. Well, I don't think I've got a choice, have I? <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, so tell us, who are you going to talk about? So about I'm going to talk about a man called Jean Bourdra. Jean oh, Bourdra, yeah. look at you and your pronunciation. Jean Bourdra, um, who was in well there's actually quite a few really interesting things about him and it's basically not going to be linked to london at all apart from the fact that he won wimbledon um but he was involved in a very interesting way in the second world war and also had a very interesting link to women's uh sport which is quite um pertinent oh, at the moment that's... given that we've yeah, yeah. um yeah. in fact women's football um it's quite pertinent because of course um we had the 
the women's Euros uh, this week. And uh, and England won! The Lionesses won! Well done, Lionesses! Woo! Um, so I'm going to talk about Jean Barotra because, yeah. yeah. Okay. Super interesting. We'll allow that. Cool. Nice. I mean, it's a good story, so. Okay, well, I'm excited. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> Apart from the fact that he won Wimbledon. There we go. That'll there do. We mm, well, well, that's it for this week. Thank you all so much for coming and for putting up with the uh, slightly less than perfect uh, audio this week. But uh, between Emily's new uh, new house and my uh, bird with a grudge out the back, um, <laughs> we've got through. We're good. <laughs> we've got through. But yeah, apologies that it's not as crisp as it usually is. That's, uh, we, we'll forgive everything. We'll forgive the bird. We'll forgive the, the house move. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you all next week for a bit of uh, sort of Wimbledon history. Yeah, and don't forget to sign up. 15th yes. August, 7pm. August, very close. Two weeks away very now. Ah. Two weeks away. Hang on, that's not right. Yeah, two weeks oh, away. Oh, it is two weeks. Yeah, 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 no, it is. Two weeks away. Yeah, oh my goodness. Crazy. Yes, yeah, so come and sign up for that. And we'll see you next week, everyone. Have a good week, guys. Bye. Bye.